Welcome to the Sunday Service Podcast of First Universalist Church, a Unitarian Universalist congregation located in Minneapolis, Minnesota. We are a radically welcoming and progressive religious community deeply committed to love, justice, spiritual growth, and living out our values in the world. To learn more, visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. Good morning, and welcome. It's a beautiful day, isn't it? I'm from a call and response culture. (laughs) So if I ask you a question, right, it's not metaphorical. (laughs) You know, is it, or maybe it's not, you could say no. (laughs) But for me, and it may be different for other people, but if I ask, I am sincerely interested in your answer and hearing it, (laughs) so so you know. Uh, We're gonna begin service today with the humming meditation. And so I invite you to settle into your seats and to, as much as you can, release the tension from your body. Um, If it feels good, uh, rest your feet flat on the floor and feel the weight of your body in the chair. And I should say that um, everybody's body is different. And so please adapt the instructions for your body if what I'm saying is not really suited for who you are and what your body does. So please um, close your eyes if that's comfortable for you. And if it isn't, that's fine. You can relax your gaze to a space a little bit in front of you and low. And let your attention go to your breath. And to the way that it It feels when it comes in through your nose or through your mouth. Pay attention to how it makes other parts of your body inflate and deflate. And on your next inhale, on any note that you choose, please hum. Like I've said before, as you're humming, you can hum on any note that you like. You can change notes as much as you like. Follow your own body's inclination for taking the next breath and the next hum. And really pay attention to the way that that sound feels in your body. And like I've said before, if you leave a little space between your teeth and with your lips closed, you'll feel the vibration more intensely right there on your lips. So pay attention to that feeling. That is the feeling of the love song that we're all creating together for ourselves individually in our own temples and for all of us now in this glorious place that we share. Mm. 
And now take a really quick journey through your body as you're humming. You can keep humming. Don't stop humming because I'm talking. <laughs> and let the humming release any tension that you may find. And if you notice that the feeling is intense in a specific part of your body, I want to invite you to expand that sensation to take over more of your body. Let's play a little humming game and see if we can move the hum around in our bodies. See if you can place the hum in your skull, in the very crown of your head. may find that if you choose notes that are higher in your range, that you'll feel them higher in your body. And as you choose notes that are lower in your range, you may feel them lower in your body. So let the hum travel down your spinal column and concentrate it in your chest this time. And now let it travel further down your spinal column and see if you can get it to land in your pelvis. It may be a little challenging if you're seated because, you know, if you ring a bell and you touch the bell, it stops ringing. So the the seat may be dampening the vibration a little bit, but your intention is the most important thing. And see if you can let that vibration travel further down both of your thigh bones and land in your knees. This is a challenge. <laughs> Mm. 
And finally, see if you can expand the vibration to take over your whole skeletal system, which means you'll have to be like a noodle with the rest of your muscles <laughs> so that they give the bones enough space to vibrate. Let your next inhale lead to your final hum. Return to its natural rhythm. And when you feel ready, if your eyes are closed, please open them. Again, I say welcome, First Universalist. Thank you for humming with me. Oh, I feel good. <laughs> Thanks, Amy. Thanks for helping us settle in. Settle into our bodies, settle into this space, settle into community. We are gathering here in person in the sanctuary. We are welcoming each other across the country and across the world and all over our building. So if you need to take more space to feel comfortable, please know the service is streaming in different locations through the building too. Thank you for bringing us in. And I'll tell you, every week when we get ready to plan worship together, there's a theme or something that is capturing our imagination. And this week, the theme that was capturing our imagination was giving, receiving, as love shows us how. And this image kept appearing in my head and in my heart. And it was one of these balls. Does anybody know about these? Oh, yeah. Any kids? Anybody know these? I love these so much because they're like magic. Watch this. What? It expands all the way out. And if it was bigger, it would just keep going and going. And then it can shrink back down. And then it can get big again, just like that. It's amazing to me. So I like to think about these when I think about my heart. But let me tell you a story. And we'll get to do this again. So it was about 15 years ago. And my wife, Loretta, was pregnant with our first kiddo. And I was serving a church in New York, and I loved the people there, and they loved me, and we had a really good time together. And I was excited to share the news about this new life that was going to come into being in our family and in the church community. And I thought, well, I'll share first with a small group of folks that I meet with regularly, and then I'll announce to the whole congregation. And I was sitting with this small group of folks, and we met monthly to share writing with each other and to have spiritual conversations. And I shared that my wife was pregnant and the baby was due in July, and I was so excited. And there were lots of oohs and ahs, but then there was one audible gasp. <gasps> and the person said out loud, oh no, you're not gonna be here for us in the same way that you have been so far. 
your attention is going to be at home. And I took a breath, and I said, thank you for saying out loud what perhaps others in this room are thinking about and worrying about, too. This idea that there might not be enough love to go around if someone new joins the circle, if our attention changes because there's more need or more care that needs to go in one direction or another. And we talked in that circle about the way that love expands. And I told them that I was pretty sure that when my son arrived, my heart was going to go like this. And do you know what? It totally did. Yes, as a person, I was exhausted at times, as we do get from time to time. But love is never exhausted. Love can just grow and grow and grow. So I was very glad that the person in my group said what she did because she gave me practice, like church often does, gives me practice for how I want to live my life. Because just three years later, when we had another child that was about to join our family, my son said something very similar to me. He said, I'm a little worried about this. <laughs> I'm a little worried that you are not going to have as much time and attention and love for me when this new person, this new being, enters our family. And I was able to say, buddy, I know, because it happened when you arrived, that our hearts went like this and expanded. And that is how it's going to be when your sibling comes, too. I think about this in our church community, how when we welcome someone new, our hearts expand and expand and expand. How, yes, there are times when things change, but what if they change in ways that are gorgeous like this? What if each of our stories matters, each one of us adding one more piece to the puzzle that is just not as good when we're not here? What if love is always expanding? This is the community we welcome you into. In the universalist spirit of love and hope, we are always giving and receiving and growing. That is who we are. That's the life we invite you into here in this church community. And we do this together in several ways. We invite each other to practice here at church and then take that out into the world, into our relationships and our communities. We practice here, listening deeply to where love is calling us next. We practice welcoming and affirming the light in each and every human heart. We practice acting with courage and humility and compassion in service to justice. We do all of this as a community of faith that is committed to ending oppression in all of its forms and to welcoming in the experience of beloved community, of belonging and love and justice for us all. This is the life we are about together, giving and receiving and growing. If you're new to this community, welcome to you. We are so glad you're here. Please let us know you're here so we can connect and reach out and share more about who we are and hear more about who you are. If you've been here for a long time, welcome back. It's so good to get to see your faces. So I do want to give us a couple reminders in the land of giving and receiving and growing. Some of you this week may have received a fake invitation to give over scam email. 
that's not how I'm going to invite you to give, receive, and grow as part of this community. So some of you have seen this before where uh, it's happening to clergy all around the country, right? Where what the scammers do is make up an email address that looks a lot like the person's, maybe even grabs a picture of them off the internet, and then sends a note out that says, I need a favor right away. Please send me a gift card to eBay or to iTunes or to whatever it is, and it's convincing, and they are trying to get your money. I just want you to know that's not how I will ever ask you for a favor. That's not how giving and receiving and growing will go here. But I do appreciate all the love and care and the folks letting us know about it. So just beware of those things, especially as the holidays come about. And as we care for one another here in this community, I'll just remind us of how we are caring for each other and our health, too. So we are encouraging everyone who is here in person to be vaccinated. We are asking you to stay home if you're feeling sick or you're waiting on a COVID test result. We're encouraging, actually not encouraging, we're requiring everyone to wear a mask while they're in the building, inviting you to stay in your household groups and keep a little distance between each other. Ask for consent if you're going in for a hug. And today we're inviting you to let our worship leaders sing to you and for you to let that wash over you. In the universalist spirit of love and hope, we give and receive and grow together. And we'll go ahead and light our chalice, saying the words of our covenant together. And I invite you to say them with me if you know them, and if you don't, to allow them to wash over you and invite you in. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant, to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another.
When I was a kid, my brother and I collected baseball cards. We were seriously into this. We had the plastic sleeves that you could take the cards that were really important and put them in. We would catalog what we had. We would go check it out. We had books where we could check the values that I learned about later on in life. And I tell you, we loved this practice. We followed all the major league teams, and we were always on the lookout for the first-year cards of a player that then hit it big. Right? So we wanted to find someone that got to be really, really good and well-known later in their career, and we wanted to find that first-year card before anybody knew really who they were. And the way the cards came to us was always in shoeboxes, just like this. So they would come to us, big collections from some neighbor or somebody that heard that there were a couple kids that were interested or whatever, and they would come to us, and our practice was we would open the box and evenly divide the cards, and we'd each get what was a fair stack there. And then we would pour through them and look for our heroes who were in there, right? So it happened once that we got a stack of cards in shoeboxes like this, and we divided them up, and we went through, and in my stack, I found the most amazing card. I found Rod Carew. Now, you would have to be following baseball 40 years ago to know who this is, but Rod Carew was perhaps one of the best hitters of all time. He played for the Twins and the Angels, and to find his first-year card was like finding a diamond there in the rough. And I had it. I was so excited. And I'll tell you, as soon as I found this card, my brother, who was older, started working on me. <laughs> That's not that good of a card. I mean, I'll give you like three cards for that one card. How about it? Three cards for the one? And he worked on me, and he worked on me. And finally, I believed him. And I said, sure, I'll take the three cards. And I gave him the Rod Carew. I was feeling pretty good about my three cards. I trusted my brother and the whole situation. And it was a couple weeks later, we went to the baseball card dealer, which was a regular practice. And my brother brought the Rod Carew card up to the counter. And it turned out that card was worth a boatload of money. And when I took my three cards up to the counter, do you know what they were worth? 50 cents. 50 cents! I went home and I told my parents about this grave injustice that had occurred, that my brother had unfairly swindled me out of my beloved Rod Carew card, and my parents were very much of the opinion that folks should, kids should work it out themselves. So they said, look, we're not getting involved. Uh, however this happened, however it's going to turn out, I'm sure there's lessons learned. Lessons learned. Yeah there were some lessons learned <laughs> in that moment. Now, I tell you this because my, this incident of the baseball card comes up in many of the conversations my brother and I are having lately. And we laugh about it for the most part now because he has finally stopped claiming that this was, in fact, a fair trade. It was not a fair trade. And I have come to understand that he was doing what he had been taught to do. As a 13-year-old, a budding entrepreneur, he was looking for the upper hand, and he found it, and he used it to take what he wanted, and to gather that up, and to value the thing over the relationship that we had. And like I said, we can laugh about this now, but we both know he was doing exactly what he had been taught 
how to do. Now, I bring this up today because I think there are shoeboxes everywhere. Shoeboxes full of memories in the land, in the air, in the water, in our hearts, in our families, in our relationships. Shoeboxes of remembered and forgotten memories and experiences that are out there and in here. I'm thinking in particular today about the shoeboxes of memories in this land. On this land where we are here at 3400 DuPont Avenue South or wherever you are all over the world. Those shoeboxes full of memories. This one right here, we remember here that this is the traditional homeland of the Dakota, the Anishinaabe, the Ho-Chunk people. And this land here, the waters that the indigenous people lived here in harmony, relying for food and sustenance on the land and the water, and that it was traded away, or stolen, more accurately, that folks were killed to take this land, and that the folks who did so were doing as they had been taught, to look for the upper hand, to value things over relationships and people, to take and take to gather up, amassing money and things over interdependence. I think about this because I think we all know what it is to be taken advantage of in a moment when we were trusting, to be vulnerable and to have it not go well. And when I think about this kind of harm, I get to wondering, what does it take to transform this kind of pain, to tell the truth of the past and the present, to hold it in our hands and know its weight, and then to turn and build toward a future of more love and justice. So I found myself this week turning to Sean Sherman, tribal member of the Oglala Lakota Sioux, founder of the Sioux Chef and friend of this congregation. Sean was interviewed for a piece in the Huffington Post this past week, and he talked about the transformation he was about of the Thanksgiving holiday. He said the first thing that has to happen is people have to stop telling lies. In particular, non-native folks need to stop telling the sanitized version of the story because it is experienced, in his words, he says, as a slap in the face. We have to stop telling the lies, he says. But then, and these are his words, just because I clearly see the lies that have been told to us for years, it doesn't mean I can't be hopeful for the present. I reject the false pilgrims and Indians narratives, he says, but I do look at Thanksgiving as a day to appreciate what we have right in front of us, whatever that is. So much has happened this year, he says. So many people have suffered and are suffering. I hope we can find a chance to be grateful for the people we love, for the food that we have. We all need food. We all need love. This is the year, he tells us. This is the year to rethink Thanksgiving, to acknowledge the true history of the land that we're on and the hardships that folks have endured that have allowed us to be here today. It's time to change our focus, he says, and there's no better year to do just that. So this is what we are about today. Giving, receiving, as love shows us how. How do we transform pain? How do we move from the hard history and move toward a more loving and just future?
how might we rethink how we celebrate and why and how. Today on the first day of Hanukkah, today as we also for many begin the practice of Advent with Thanksgiving just behind us, let us rethink how we do these holidays, reclaiming our resourcefulness, our care and attention, and trusting that love is never exhausted, but can only grow. As we prepare for a time of meditation and prayer, I invite you to settle your body any way that feels right. And I say to all of us, the sounds of life are welcome here. The sounds of children, the sounds we make as we shift our bodies, it is all welcome here. I invite you, as you wish, to join me in the pr practice of three intentional breaths. A chance to breathe in and breathe out. To breathe in and breathe out. And breathe in. and breathe out. We're going to go on a journey of memory, of senses, as we ask ourselves to remember. What does love feel like, sound like, look like, taste like? So I invite you to remember, what does love sound like? What are the voices, the music, the wind that comes to mind, that wraps you in its care? 
What does love taste like? What food or water? What memory of being cared for or caring for others comes through in taste? For those of us that see with our eyes, what is the sight of love? For those of us who see in all the ways, what shape does love take in our imagination? What does love sound like? Hmm. What embrace, what exuberance, what peace? And what does love feel like? Is there a touch? Is it a blanket, a person, an animal, the earth? Is it feet on the floor? Is it wind or sun or snow? How do we know love through our senses? Wherever we are, we can bring these memories to mind. We can comfort the tender places, the broken places in us, the healing and mending and joyful and grateful places. And so as we recognize the cycle of life that turns for us all, the sorrows and struggles, the joys and celebrations, we take the comfort of love with us. And we invite you to bring to mind, to share in the chat if you're with us on Zoom, the joys and celebrations, the gratitudes you know, and the struggles that you carry. Together we hold it all. Together we pray that the grip of addiction might be loosened, that the weight of oppression might be lightened, that grief might be shared, that joy might break through, and that love might make every suffering bearable for us all. May it be so. Amen.
sounds and the faces are making me so happy this morning. <laughs> and the hymn that we are hearing the verses of throughout the service today. Mingle my calling with all who would share. Work toward a planet transformed by our care. Mingle my calling with all who would share. Work toward a planet transformed by our care. This is what we are about this is why we are here mingling our callings, adding our love, sharing with each other, expanding, expanding toward a planet transformed by our care. I am inspired this week by the words of Sean Sherman, this call that he has given us to reclaim our resourcefulness, to be able to tell the truth and tell the stories and then reclaim who we can be and how we can be together. Moving away from the focus on buying and things and all we have been taught of looking for the upper hand, of valuing money and things over relationships, of looking for a way to get that bit ahead. What if we reclaimed our resourcefulness? What if we turned our care and attention to ourselves and each other and this planet and all of its beings and refocused our attention and celebrated our holidays, our everydays differently? This is a practice that we are about here at First Universalist. Some of you were here in 2013 when we began our first holiday initiative where we decided to pool our resources on the house that love built. Maybe you remember this, or maybe if you don't, it is a story worth repeating. I tell it to myself sometimes to remember our collective power and what we can do when we come together. It was back in 2013, and the crew that works on the Habitat for Humanity houses here at church, uh, one representative came to meet with me, and they said, what do you think? Could we raise $60,000 this holiday season and fund an entire Habitat house? Do you think we could do that? And I took a deep breath and said, yes. 
Yes, I have no idea how we're going to do that, but I believe we can because we need to change our attention, transform our way and where we are putting our focus, and we need to put it on collective change and collective power. And that year, everybody got involved. The kids were looking for quarters in the sofa. They were making wreaths and selling them. There was a lot of cookie baking and sales going on down in the social hall. There were folks making chutney. All kinds of ideas were coming forward. And together, we raised over $100,000 and funded not just that Habitat house, but even more. It was two years later we decided to turn our attention and our partnership to Beacon Interfaith Housing Collaborative as we offered the gift of home in its many, many forms. Then in 2017, we partnered with Marnita's Table, appreciating their focus on racial justice and community building and their dedication to bridging gaps across difference. They worked in neighborhoods, in government agencies, in schools, and faith communities to empower people of all ages and backgrounds to make genuine change toward equity and inclusion and understanding. In 2019, we turned our attention to a partnership with Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism. And we know that when we bring our resources together, when we change our focus, when we reclaim our resourcefulness, there is nothing we cannot do together. So this morning, I'm glad to introduce Isabel Quast, who's gonna share with us a little bit about Blue and our holiday giving project this year. Morning. My name is Isabel, and I co-chaired the holiday planning committee with Justin starting in 2019. When our committee first sat down to discuss our hopes and vision for the holiday giving campaign, one key point was very apparent. We wanted whatever organization we partnered with to be actively working towards racial justice. As our congregation as a whole leans into this important work, we wanted this to be reflected in the holiday giving campaign. More specifically, we wanted our partner to be centered around supporting black leadership and black liberation. In 2019, the committee met with local black leaders to hear about what organizations were active here in the Twin Cities and to hear feedback on how we, as a majority white congregation, should approach a partnership with a black-led organization. The result of this work was to create a long-term partnership with Black Lives of Unitarian Universalism, also known as BLUE. Blue is a national UU organization, and our own congregation's Lena Gardner is currently their executive director. As a national organization, Blue is doing racial justice work all over the country and creating spaces for black folks to connect and reconnect with Unitarian Universalism. In 2019, our congregation made a five-year commitment to Blue, with any funds being raised during the holiday giving going directly to Blue and the amazing work they're doing. The biggest challenge I believe our congregation faces with this partnership is letting go of control. In supporting Blue, we as a congregation are taking a step back and we are not in the driver's seat. The most integral part of supporting black leaders is trusting black leaders, trusting that they know their community best, trusting that money or time given by our congregation is being used well and trust the work they are doing. 
So a little bit more about the work they're doing. Uh, Lena Gardner will be giving an update later in December in some of those services, but um, here's some updated information about Blue. Blue's vision is Blue harnesses love's power to combat oppression, foster healing as a spiritual and political imperative. We know the power of love to be life-changing, inclusive, relational, uncomfortable, unconditional, and without end. In February 2021, interview with Reverend Michael Slack, which is Blue's community minister, Reverend Slack was asked why a group like Blue is necessary for Black UUs. His response, our programming and ministries matter because at every turn, at every turn, we proclaim and live into Unitarian Universalism that centers blackness, and by doing and saying so unapologetically. Black UUs who feel held by or want to be more connected to black ancestry, black love, black thought, black faith, believe it's possible to do so and say so themselves. With the recent launch of Blue Havens, which are black UU social groups, Blue Harbors, which are black UU spiritual communities, and all the brilliant online spaces Blue has been curating and holding, we are saying to black people everywhere that we are here to co-create and cultivate something really beautiful and worthwhile." End quote. One of Blue's largest undertakings happens to be in our own backyard. Blue purchased eight lots in North Minneapolis and is working to create a Black-owned housing cooperative. Blue's in the process of building 32 affordable housing units for Black and Indigenous people. Lena will give a more detailed update on this project later in December. Over the last two years, our congregation has raised roughly $22,000. Looking at the fund needs from Blue and what other congregations have given, for example, White Bear Lake has given $66,000 and Unity has pledged $20,000, we have decided to lay out some goals. First, our goal this year is to raise a total of $38,000, which will bring our three-year total up to $50,000. Looking at the full five-year commitment, our goal is to raise $100,000 in support of Blue. Looking at the work Blue is already do doing, we know our shared values ground us all in the same vision for racial justice. But more than that, understanding the work and covenant Blue has already implemented radically embodies and lives out our UU values. As we move into the holiday season, we hope our partnership with Blue will help us all feel more grounded in racial justice work. The offering today will go to Blue as a kickoff for our holiday giving. This is our part of our spiritual practice in giving and receiving. If you have resources to give, please do. If this is a time that you need to receive, please let us know as we have resources to share. Whatever brought you here today, I hope that love has been renewed in your heart, be it through memory, the senses, a reminder of the power of community, this legacy of a larger love that each of us is a part of. 
May the love in us grow and grow and grow until this planet is transformed by our care. May it be so. Amen. Thanks for listening to this podcast from First Universalist Church of Minneapolis. We're a faith community committed to racial justice, and together we give, receive, and grow in the universalist spirit of love and hope. To learn more about who we are and our ministry, please visit us online at firstuniversalistchurch.org. If you cannot cannot. sing like angels, if you cannot cannot. before thousands, thousands. you can give wrong deep within you, you can change the world.